0: Welcome to the Crosslight Bible Study Podcast, a verse-by-verse study through the scriptures with Rob Harston. Thank you for joining us today. Now, here's Rob. Good Sunday afternoon to everybody. Welcome back to the Crosslight Bible Study Podcast. Thank you guys for listening wherever you are, are listening to this podcast. And today we are getting back into our freedom of christ series in the book of galatians today will be in verses 15 to 22 and the title of today's message is the promises of god and his law um just a couple of things up front uh last week obviously there was no podcast uh i just needed a break uh easter was a lot uh to get ready for and uh, it was awesome um if you guys have not checked out uh the messages uh, go back and listen to them if you can um they're uh, encouraging. I would pray that they're encouraging to you. And uh, so I just need a break, but we're back, and we're back in the book of Galatians, so I'm excited to uh, get this going today. We'll, again, we'll, uh, we'll finish up chapter three next week, but uh, just wanted to jump into this one and, and, and get this uh, get this going so we can move on. It seems like we've been in Galatians for a while. So, uh, But again, uh, today's the message is titled, The Promises of God and His Law, and, and if you've lived long enough, you have you've made a promise to someone and maybe uh, you broke that promise. And, and maybe someone has made a, a promise to you and only to see that promise broken. So we, we, we see promises, we've made them and they've been broken and they've things have been promised to us and we've seen them broken. And you know the feeling, either way, it's not a good feeling. You feel, if, if you've promised somebody something and they said, oh man, you promised me this and it didn't happen, you feel guilty and you feel bad. And then when somebody promises you something, and they break that promise, you feel like, oh, well, man, this, people, this person doesn't really care about me or so on and so forth. So this is, this, is, uh, this is what promises do. Now we can thank God for his faithfulness that he never breaks a promise. When he says it, he means it. And this is one of the things that we'll, that we'll see today in our time together, and Paul will discuss the promise God gave to Abraham. You see, Paul is still using Father Abraham as an example as we are uh, one step closer to ending this chapter we will uh, will be studying these verses 15 to 22 and then next week we'll finish uh, verses 23 to 29 and if you've joined us for this freedom in christ series that we started in the book of galatians about 100 years ago you remember that paul in chapters uh, chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 he used a personal argument for uh, this the, the law and, and it was a personal he, he called them foolish Galatians, uh, you know, calling them fools for uh, kind of believing what these legalizers were telling them. And then in verses six through 14, he used a scriptural argument. He used the argument through scripture. He used uh, Bible verses in the Old Testament to back up his claim uh, about this, about the law. And, and then this is when he starts with uh, Abraham. And then now in these final verses, 15 through 29, and a little bit into chapter four, Paul uses a logical argument. He uses a logical argument. And with that being said, it's, it, it's not as though Paul does not make any logical arguments when he is speaking no no this is not what this is not what i mean but the one he makes here really depends on reasoning if you just think about it paul is comparing the law to a human contract he's he you know and and this is the thing that he's trying to get through these contracts that are that are being out there you see baseball uh these, well, they're ridiculous contracts, but you see all these contracts that these people uh, are making in, in professional sports. And so Paul is kind of using that as uh, as his thing, not the professional sportsman, but a contract uh, nonetheless. And again, we'll be in uh, verses 15 through 22. And let me read those real quick. It says, brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is, it is only a man's covenant. Yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it now to abraham and his seed were the promises made he does not say and to seeds as of many but as one and to your seed who is Christ and this I say that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul the Covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect for if for if the inheritance is not of the law it is no longer a promise but God gave it to Abraham by promise what purpose then does the law serve it was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for only one only, but God is one. Is the law then the promise of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Father, we thank you today for today. We thank you for this part of scripture. And Father, we thank you that the only way to you is through your son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we thank you again for dying on the cross. We thank you that, that we can come to you in prayer and lord we pray that you would bless this message lord you would bless the words that are being spoken and you would have many ears to hear father so we thank you we love you and we lift this time up to you now in jesus name we pray amen so you see paul is talking about this 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 logically he's trying to he's trying to talk about this contract uh, uh you know through a through a kind of a, a legal uh Thing, you know like uh, how he's thinking about how this contract or this covenant is being made so the first thing we'll see is God's promises that can never change or be annulled by the law we'll find those in, in verses 15 through 18 and a covenant promise made by God can never be changed or annulled now now when a man makes a promise to do something the likelihood of that person breaking that promise is, is probably pretty high you know it's it's, it's mo- most likely it could happen uh, than not and we as humans are not perfect and we can make deals with someone only to break them yet with God he cannot break his promises it's actually impossible and here's here's three reasons uh, here's three three reasons on why God cannot, Break his promises. And the first one is he is faithful to his own word. Look at Numbers 23, verse 19. It says, God is not man that he should lie for, or it says, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He won't change his mind once the lord says it it is done and two he cannot tell a lie he cannot tell a lie hebrews uh, chapter 6 verse 18 says so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for god to lie we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us you see if god would lie or change his mind then he would be no god at all right i mean he would just be us he would be us and that's no God at all. He doesn't think like we do. He doesn't talk like we do. He doesn't act like we do. And this is this is some people. They will they'll put they'll put God in a box. And this is what they think of God. Well, you know, he's just like us. Well, he's not, and he cannot lie. And if we're being really truthful, we are the ones that need a change. God doesn't need a change. We are the ones that need a change. God doesn't need a change. And the th- the third one is it is settled in eternity. You see, whatever God settles in eternity is done. It's fixed forever. Paul said in Ephesians 1 uh, verse five says, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. That's awesome. That is, that's he pre, he, he, we, we were adopted and, and we were adopted before we were even born. And these promises that God made, they're, they're, they're settled in eternity. They're made before anybody was even born. And it was D.L. Moody who said this about God's promises, and he says this, and I quote, God never made a promise that was too good to be true. And also, God never made a promise that he did not keep because God cannot lie, and he is faithful to his word, and what he says is true, and and everything was settled, truthfully, before we even existed. This this is something that you should really like chew on today. Think about this. You know, we these these things that we go through in life uh, us becoming believers in Jesus Christ, the things that happen in our lives, these are things that that God already knew about. But these promises and these promises that God made were already set in eternity before we were even born. And that to me i love it i mean that that excites me and paul says even though it's only a man's covenant yet when it is ratified or when it is uh, settled no no one sets it aside or adds condition to it he is saying even when two men come together to agree upon a contract and when signed neither man can change it once it is ratified or signed signed you cannot break a contract it's like Again, you go back to these sports uh, contracts, uh, you know, someone like Mike Trout uh, just signed a, what, a 10-year million-dollar deal with the, uh, with the Angels, and, and he can't come in one day because they've lost 10 in a row and say, you know what, I don't want to play for the Angels anymore. I guess you can. It is happening a lot, but you're breaking your contract. It is signed. You are going to fulfill the 10 years, and we're going to pay you this much so this is what the contract is so it's hard to break it and he is he's he's saying even when two men again when they come together and agree upon a contract you you cannot break it it is impossible to break it is like a it's almost like a business contract though too that is drafted and agreed upon they cannot change it but if it were to be changed both parties must agree on those changes You can't say, well, hey, uh, you buy a car off somebody, and you say, hey, I'm going to pay you $200 a month, and you agree upon that contract, it's all signed, and you agree that you're going to pay the $200 a month, and then the year after, you're like, you know what, I'm only going to pay $100 a month. No, you can't do that because the contract was agreed upon that you were going to pay $200 a month. And, And then in verse 16, promises made by God will find their fulfillment in Christ, And it says, now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds as referring to uh, many descendants, but rather to one. And it says, and to your seed. That is Christ. This would be just one more reason the Mosaic Law cannot do away with the covenant made by God. In all reality, God had fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant promises, and and that was through the person and the works of Jesus Christ. This is where the promises were were they were made to. The best part about this covenant promise to Abraham is in his lineage. In his lineage, and that'd be us. Is this when God Himself makes a covenant? It will be a promise, and here's the best part. Here's the best part. Nobody can erase it or even change it. Even if Abraham or any of his seed falls short because of uh, 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 of, of of our uh, I mean, of, of us, sorry, can't even get that out. Even if we fall short, the seed or you know uh, any of us falls short, it is unconditional. It's an unconditional covenant. This is this is the exciting thing is these promises that God, that God that God is making is in Christ. It's in Christ, it's not in us, it's not anybody else, it's in Jesus himself. And that unconditional covenant falls solely on God's promise and God's grace. And this blessing comes through Christ, our Messiah. Amen. This is the point I was trying to get at. I kept stuttering. I guess I was getting excited. But Again, God's promise and God's grace, and that, those blessings come through Christ, our Messiah. The law did not eliminate the covenant made to Abraham because Jesus fulfilled that covenant after the law. God promised salvation, and we all and all we need to do is claim it. That's it. That's all we need to do is claim it. It is not if we measure up to God because we can't. This is, this is why we need Jesus as our Savior. In God's free gift of grace, this is God's free gift of grace. And this is something that's puzzling. I was speaking with someone the other day that they said, well, you know, I believe in Jesus. Yep, I believe in God. Mm -hmm. Yep, I believe in him. And we were just talking, and I I felt the Holy Spirit just, just nudge me and say, but here's the thing. Do you know Jesus? And does he know you this is the most important thing when it comes to jesus as our Savior and, and knowing him is do you know jesus and does he know you it's not about religion it's about relationship so this is in his god's free gift i was telling him this is like a free gift that he's giving you and all we have to do is claim it that's it and verse 17 says the prom uh, you know verse 17 is talking about the promise by god came along before the law and, and it was not set aside by the law. You see, God's promise came long before the law. What I'm saying is this: the law, which came 430 years later, this is what Paul is saying. Chronologically, the covenant of promise was superior to the covenant of law. It was superior to it. And and Warren, I, I can I could probably explain it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have an expert in Warren Wiersbe explain it. And this is what he says about this: and I quote. Paul is counting from the time Jacob went into Egypt. When God appeared to him and reaffirmed the covenant found in Genesis 46, verses 1 through 4. The 430 years is the time from God's confirmation of his promise to Jacob until the giving of the law at Sinai. So see, the law, The law again, it was chronologically when it happened. It was, Paul is trying to explain this to, him, uh, to them that which the, when the law came, it didn't supersede the promise that God made to Abraham. The promise God made was not set aside by the law. It says, does and, uh, in verse 17, it says, does not, it does not validate. Um, it does not validate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to annulify to the promise or, or get rid of that promise. Law cannot erase grace. It doesn't eliminate it. God ratified grace one, once and for all, even before he gave the law. It wasn't a law that was Added to grace once this grace contract was signed by God he would not go back on it it was signed sealed and delivered it was done there was nothing you know there was nothing else that was gonna happen God said it and that's it it's done you see God loves us he wants to bless us no matter what happens he did not set out any conditions just love He didn't say this, you have to do this, 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 just love. We just have to receive this free gift of grace. This is what you have to think about when it comes to the law versus justification. It's a free gift that God offers us. And in verse 18, uh, it says this, for if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. This means the blessing of the promised inheritance came by God's promises, not by his law. You see, the promise God made would no longer uh, be unilateral, but it would be bilateral. If it if it all depended on us in any way, uh, we were screwed up. If the blessing depended on us, and god then this would eliminate god's grace the very nature of it would be gone it would be gone so it's not it's god's grace and god's grace only nothing that we're gonna do this is why the law and the grace are so opposite of each other nothing in common nothing there's nothing we can do to improve god's promise no extra bible reading not 10 minutes longer praying not going to church, not making sure you're carrying your Bible at least uh, five hours of the day, nothing, nothing we can do would improve God's promise. We cannot earn or we we do not earn or deserve God's grace. This is why salvation and sanctification must be through grace and not the law. So I guess then comes a big question. Maybe you guys are asking it, and I know they were probably asking the same way, then why the law then why the law god's you know and we can find this in uh, in the remaining of uh, remaining time in verses 19 through 22 god's law was never the way to justification it was never the way to justification paul's argument had been convincing up to this point but then the question came and we in in verses 19 and 20 are uh, both they say this Uh, It says, what purpose then does the law serve? Was it added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made? And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. It says, it says the law was, was in need because of sin. This is what Paul is saying. It was added because of transgressions. Now his readers must've been asking themselves, well, if salvation has always been by faith and not by works and if the covenant promise of Abraham was fulfilled by Jesus Christ, then why the law? What's, what purpose did it serve? Paul's answer could be more of a wake-up call for them and us today. It's because of transgressions. Yes, 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 everybody, because of your sin and my sin. In Romans chapter seven, verse seven, Paul says it uh, himself. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? may it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to known sin except through the law, for I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. This is what it was for. This is what it was to show us what we fall short of. You see our stand our, our uh, God's standards uh, in the law uh, was to show us when we cross the line. This is what his this is what the law was to do is, is show us when we cross the line. That is, that is what a transgression is. It is when we step over that line and we disobey God. The law would show that we more than miss the mark of the holiness of God. The territory we are prohibited from going to, we have crossed into that territory many times. You, me, everybody throughout history have crossed that territory. We have boundaries, and we need to stay in those boundaries. And if not, there are consequences. There are consequences to sin. And I remember uh, uh, about the, bound, the boundaries of, of not, you know, crossing those lines. You, we were all kids. Yeah, you can't go past, you know, the third streetlight. Uh, you know, you can't uh, go past that fifth house or whatever. This is what our parents would send boundaries. And if we did step across it, we would get in trouble. And I remember reading a story about a pilot in Texas who, with his wife, jumped in their little Cessna 340 plane and, and went for a little day of flying. And he had no idea that day that he was near the, uh, President Bush's family ranch. And to make matters worse, there was a government official that was going to be there that day. Well, this man had flown into the no-fly zone over this ranch and was told to land his plane immediately. And as he did, a Secret Service agent checked him and his wife's back. They checked their backgrounds. He searched the plane, and after the all-clear, he was free to go and it was all because they crossed the line. They entered a territory they should not have been in. So they got a stern warning. And this is what this is what the, the transgressions were doing. It was giving us a, a warning of what boundaries uh, we are crossing into. The law only showed us our transgressions. It doesn't save us from them. Again, the law only shows us our transgressions, it does not save us from them. Remember, it was ad- added after the promise. And it was it was not to it wasn't it was not inferior to God's promises either. It was a proven na- by nature of meditation having been ordained through angels by agency of a mediator is what the bible says the mediator would be moses because the mosaic law required mediators because it was bilateral in other words man had a part in it and god had a part man's part was to be obedient and god's part was to bless but God gave Abraham the covenant without a mediator because the covenant was unilateral meaning God was the only person giving provisions of grace that was it God it was God it wasn't anybody else but him and it was only temporary this would be this would be all uh, until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made again the law was meant to be temporary to show us of our transgressions until the seed the, until the seed being the Messiah, Jesus, would come. And it's our failure to keep the law that proves we need a Savior. There's, there, We don't need any other proof. It's just that. It's just that we cannot keep the law, and that proves that we needed somebody that was going to save us, somebody that could, could – the standard of perfection that was laid out was only found in Jesus himself, not us, not us. So if you think you're perfect today and you can keep the laws – Go for it. it. Tell me how that turns out, because it's impossible for us to do that. And it was a, there was a need for a mediator. Now, a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. When it comes to contracts, and, and, and I I don't know, I, I guess when it comes to contracts and, and the disagreement or the, the, the falling out may occur, and it, when that happens between two people, they make this covenant or they make this this contract and there's a disagreement or there's a failing on on, on one side well then a mediator comes in and it's and is brought not just for one side but a mediator stands in between both parties there's not the the mediator's not on one side or the other he's what he's doing he's mediating he's he's coming in the middle and he's trying to get people to meet kind of in the middle right uh, of all this stuff and and I like John MacArthur's idea about this uh, when he wrote this Uh, And he said this, Paul seems to be pointing out that a mediator, literally one who stands between two parties, just like I said, is needed only when more than one party is involved. God gave the covenant directly to Abraham without a mediator because he was the one, he was the only one involved in making the covenant. Abraham was a witness to the covenant and was a beneficiary, but he was not a party to it. Abraham had no part in establishing or keeping the covenant. The responsibility was God's alone. The covenant of law, however, not only involved mediators, angels and Moses, but mutual obligations on both parties, God and Israel. See, Abraham had nothing to do with it. It was all God. It was God giving, again, giving this this promise to Abraham, and it was God's alone to give, and Abraham had no part in it. All he had to do was just trust and in verses 19 through 22 also god's law should not uh, go beyond the boundaries of its purpose it should not go on beyond the boundaries of its purpose god's law and god's promises are not enemies they're not enemies and the bible says this in in, uh, in verse uh, i think it's uh, 21 it says is the law contrary to the promise of god the judaizers would have the the galatian churches that is would be that would be the case they would have them believing this but paul says emphatically may it never be the way the law becomes evil or contrary is when it is in opposition to grace as the true means of salvation that's the only time the two would be opposites and and, and it's actually a, a kind of like a disgusting idea because if it were so then it would be it would mean that there is a conflict within the very nature of God who had given both the law and the promise he's not up there arguing with himself right god is not saying well i said this yesterday well that was dumb i guess i shouldn't have said that because now uh, i feel like i shouldn't have i should have done this i should have done that no god is perfect and everything he does is perfect and good so he's not up there battling himself he's not he, there's no conflict within god at all he is he, he said it and he means it god's law cannot also god's law cannot provide justification at some point in in his earlier arguments the galatians probably thought paul uh, had made the law worthless or of, of no value but but really stop and think about it though stop and think about it god gave the law and the promise and both for different purposes the very purpose of the law was to give life but instead show the need and condition for salvation the law cannot cause life or or even produce eternal life only grace can provide that the law can only again, The the law can only demand perfect righteousness, but it can never produce eternal life. It could demand perfect righteousness, but it can never produce uh, it can never produce eternal life. And finally, in verse twenty two, God's law accomplished its purpose, but the scripture says, "But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe." You see, scripture through the law has confined all. That means us all under sin the word confined means like cramped or or small uh, like a really tiny small space in other words scripture finds and holds everyone under sin so it is impossible to be justified by keeping the law everyone is a prisoner everyone's a prisoner of sin and there is no way out there's no way out of that prison it holds you there with the lock and key You, you you're going nowhere you're in that small confined space then here comes that promise. It says that the promise, the, but the, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. This would be the ultimate purpose for this confinement under sin and also death. The end result is that the scriptures tell us that we are still prisoners of sin, and the only way out of that prison is faith in Jesus Christ. And this way out is for all who believe. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So all we have to do is believe that Jesus Christ, that it's faith in Jesus Christ. It's trust. We know that he came, he died, and he rose. We just celebrated that a few weeks ago. And you believe that that is all true and you have faith in Jesus Christ, then guess what? This promises for you as well. And you can get out of that prison of sin because of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. So what are you living under today? The law that condemns or the grace that saves? The Bible tells us that we are all under sin's hold, and and the only way in faith, like I just said, is in Christ. Yet people today still live by the law and not grace. They still try to measure up to what uh, the the law says, and you can't. You can't. It's impossible. You're going to fail every time. If this is the way you are living, I pray and I Just tell you now, turn from that and turn to God's grace because that's the only way to salvation, not trying to be perfect because you're never gonna be perfect. And if you're trying to do that, then that just shows that God's grace is not good enough for you. It really does. So if you're living by that, run. And this doesn't mean we have a, a a free license to sin. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. Like, well, you you know, Rob said that, uh, you know, hey, uh, I'm a sinner, and uh, you know, if I have faith in Christ, then then it's then it's cool. You know, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's not a free license to sin. It means that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, He will forgive us. Notice I said faith in Jesus Christ, not obeying laws, but believing the promise that was made by God. And I'll, I'll end this with uh, what Warren Mearsby said again. Uh, he says this, and I love how he puts this. It says, and I quote, if there were a law that saved sinners, then God would have spared his son and used that law instead of the cross. Man, if you, if you have learned anything today, and I know the word promise came up a lot. And that's probably man, all he said was promise. But if there's anything you learn today, take that away. Write that down. If there, were a, if there were a law that saved sinners, then God would have spared his son and used that law instead of the cross. But there was no other way. Christ was the only worthy substitute, not the law. He was the only one that could come and do this. And he did it. And we are now saved by the grace of God. Father we thank you. We thank you for this grace. We thank you that it's not anything we do but everything that you have already done. Jesus, you've done everything. All we have to do is receive this gift and believe by faith that you came, died and rose again. And we do and we thank you. And Lord, I pray for anybody out there listening that doesn't know you. Lord that they would they would they would come into a saving relationship with you bring somebody into their lives bring someone that's going to speak jesus into their lives and they would understand what grace is that it's something that we don't deserve yet you still give us because you love us so we thank you we ask that you would bless uh the rest of this day and you would bless everybody listening and we just want to tell you that we love you lord in jesus name we pray amen amen thank you guys for listening uh, <clears throat> one thing too Again, uh, if you want to visit us uh, on our our newest website, it's crosslightbiblestudy.wordpress.com. Dot com if you want to check that out, um, there's um, there's some articles that are, that I've kind of uh, been taking from um, news outlets and just keeping us updated to kind of what's going on around us. Um, you know, here in California, we just kind of found out that we can start meeting in churches again. Thank you. We can thank you, God. We can start doing that again. So it's just little uh, things in there. And also you can leave us your prayer requests. Uh, I know at the end she'll tell you that uh, it's CrosslightBibleStudy.com. That no longer exists, but if I guess if you went there, it'll tell you where to go. So check us out. Uh, check out the articles. Leave us prayer requests. We'd love to pray for you guys. Uh, other than that, Lord willing, we will be back next week. God bless you guys. This has been the Crosslight Bible Study Podcast. For more information about the podcast, or if you'd like to leave a prayer request, visit us on our website at crosslightbiblestudy.com.